0: Oh yeah, welcome to 100 Words or Less, the podcast. Welcome, I'm Ray Harkins, always with you, talking about music, talking about music of the independent variety, talking to people who are involved with it in some capacity, creating it, putting it out, caressing it, loving it, collecting records of it. That's uh, that's what we do here, and I hope that uh, you were aware of that, because if you just randomly downloaded this podcast with no context whatsoever, um, you know, I'm sorry. But... You have joined us midstream, five almost five years into this show, and uh, I couldn't be happier with how it's turned out. So today, we have a very interesting guest. His name is Tom Weaver. He is a vocalist for a band called Casey, which frankly, up until maybe about a month and a half ago, I was not even aware, aware existed, and that is the power of music. So I got pitched this by a publicist, James Goodson, Goods, Goodson. shout out to you, James. And he was like, I think he would be into this. And I listened to it and I'm like, oh my gosh, this sounds like Defeater, Piano's Become the Teeth, all this stuff that I feel like is made for me. And I love this record. And I was like, yeah, let's talk to Tom because he sounds like he's got uh, some interesting life experience. And uh, he absolutely does. And he did. And we we discussed it. It was uh, even more interesting, too, because... uh, I could tell at certain moments of the conversation, Tom might have been a little bit distracted. um, But, you know, he was just uh, he was doing his thing. And uh, it it would I don't know, just played out to be a very interesting conversation and one that, um, you know, stuck with me after I hung up and not in a positive or negative way. It just was like, huh, okay, like that was that was interesting. So, yeah, I'm setting that up, right? I'm giving I'm teasing you. (laughs) But what I also want to tease you about, well, actually not tease you, I'm going to deliver you need to go to rockabilia.com. I recently am so excited because I was diving into the archives of Rockabilia and they have shirts from many, many years ago that, you know, probably just like no one clicks through. No one looks for a certain old band's shirts on Rockabilia, but they have it. So they have half a million items. And when I, I'll tell you the item that I, is in transit to me as we speak, I'm very excited about. But they have half a million items from all the bands that you could potentially want a piece of clothing from. But they also have like posters, hoodies, long sleeve shirts. I even think I saw a few coffee mugs. They got everything. And what is the best part about it is it's officially licensed. The bands are getting paid. You can make sure and rest easy that your money is going into the band's pocket. You know, Rockabilly takes a little cut, but they have paid the band's themselves for the rights to use this whole whole thing, this whole design, whatever it is they're using. So what I want to do is I want to give you some percentages off. How about fifteen percent off? How does that sound? So use the code PC Jabberjaw and you will get fifteen percent off your first order off rockabilly.com The shirt that's in transit to me right now, NXS. You guys remember that band from Australia? The reason that touches a lot of uh, emotions for me is that uh, it was literally the first concert I attended when I was about eight or nine years old. The Thomas and Mack Center in Las Vegas, Nevada. My dad took me to that and i never heard of the band before. You know, was just just getting aware of life in general. And I remember dancing in the aisles. And I just remember being like, this band's so cool. And uh, yeah, I got I got an old tour shirt there. I'm so excited about that. So rockabilly.com. Use the code PCJabberJaw. I am giving you percentages off, okay? Do that, please. And what else you got to do? You got to leave some ratings and reviews for this show. I know you listen, to, you listen to podcasts. You hear hosts talk about this all the time. And I'll give you the nitty-gritty on why hosts and shows ask for this. So the Apple podcast charts are this weird amalgamation of activity plus new listeners and subscribers. And it's... It, this makes a difference. This truly does make a difference when you are diving in and interacting with this particular show on the Apple podcast page. And uh, please do that. Cause I, you know, I I read them. I, every so often I dive in there. I'm like, Oh, cool. That's a nice review. Or like, Oh, okay. That person did not like the thing I did there. (laughs) So please do that. And, um, yeah, like I said, the interview, Discussion that I had with Tom was was very engaging. They have a new record out on Rise Records. You should check it out because, like I said, if you enjoy those bands like Defeater, Pianos Become the Teeth, everything that is melodic and/or hardcore, you will really, really enjoy this record because that's what happened to me. So, here is Tom, and I will talk to you uh, after the episode is over and uh, reveal some upcoming guests. Okay, how about we do that? All right, so here is. Uh I'm sure the experience of what I was was just telling you of, you know, tripping across a band, uh, you know, either through self discovery or, uh, someone showing you a record. And then you feel like, Oh man, like, why have I missed this? Like I, I should have already known about this band or I should have already, like someone should have keyed me into this already. Um, and that's exactly how I felt yeah. when I listened to your, uh, you know, your newest record. And then once I dove back and listened to your, you know, your previous LP, um, I, I mean, I'm guessing that that happens to not only you from a personal, uh, you know, music consumption standpoint, but, uh, people that discover Casey are probably uh, of the same ilk as me, where it's just like, Oh dude, why, come on. Why haven't I heard of this yet?
1: <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, for me personally, like there is a load of, I'm, I'm used to be so good. Like during the MySpace era, I guess I was like so good at finding new music and like finding new bands. And like, I kind of, prided myself from a sort of hipsterish standpoint of being like oh, no, i know i i'd heard of that at band first like like loads of my friends used to love like the devil prada and stuff and like I, I remember being like one of the first guys out of my friend group to like really listen to them and it was um yeah we always used to be like really really good between ourselves at like finding people like i me- i can still remember the first time listening to like kia and like all like the kind of the bands that I was getting into at that time. Then like I had friends who were like super into bands like Drop Dead Gorgeous and like um who else was around about then? Uh Doctor Acula and like loads of, of <laughs> oh, Heavy,
0: heavy, heavy, low, low. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all that kind of shit. Like there's like loads of it that like a load of my friends used to be super into and like between us we always used to like really geek out over like finding the newest bands, like again, like and just, like super obscure shit. Um and then, like as kind of time's gone on, i like because I now have a, I've built up a nice niche of bands that I really enjoy. To then try and find new music outside of that is sort of like evades me a lot, I guess. And even like trying to keep up with bands that I already know that I enjoy, I find myself like really struggling with that. But um, the good thing is, like I occasionally uh, again the good thing about being so like in touch with Casey's fan base is that they. Uh, a lot of the time they'll suggest music to us and like not even just from our demographic like this, uh, a lot of the time they'll just suggest just kind of cool stuff for me to listen to some guy i would heard of them previously, but like someone suggests I listened to invent animate yesterday. Um, mm-hmm. and that, like I was kind of into that. That was pretty cool.
0: No, that's cool. That's cool. I definitely, I, I identify with what you're talking about as far as, you know, when you have a friend group or, you know, just a few people that are kind of throwing bands off of each other and that you do have that excitement of discovery of like, oh, I just heard, especially, you know, when you're talking about certain genres of music where, you know, whatever, you get into Dillinger's Escape Plan and then you start looking into bands that are, you know, more technical or whatever. And then you're just like, oh, yeah. dude, I heard the craziest one now. Check this out. <laughs> and then you're yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you There's like a one-upsmanship about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure it, the, um, it, you're kind of on that same tip where I, I'm sure the, you know, p- people that listen to Casey, obviously, you know, you you reside very much in the, you know, melodic hardcore world. And, um, you know, this, this is something I was going to ask a little bit later, but I, I think it's appropriate to bring it up now where, you know, you clearly as a band, you wear your influences on your sleeve, like most other bands do, you know, like it would be, uh, weird if a band was just kind of born out of nothing and all of a sudden sound like something, you know, uniquely, uh, whole. But, um, the, the thing that makes it interesting for me as a listener, and I'm sure many other people that, uh, are attracted to Casey where even though your influences are worn on your sleeves, um, you don't feel like it's like wholly derivative, you know, like clearly you're doing, you know, something of your own around it. Um, and I'm sure, I'm sure there's been a lot of discussions internally with you guys that, um, you know, Hey, it's, it's cool that we're, you know, striving to, you know, be sonically like some of these bands, but, you know, we want to make sure that we're, we're obviously doing our own thing as well.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, between us, like we've got such a broad, um, spectrum of kind of influence, I guess, and just kind of stimulus i would i suppose i would sooner use the word stimulus than influence because like i obviously I, I feel that it's natural that if you listen to something enough you will end up mimicking it on some level but uh, at no point have we ever decided oh we want to sound like this band or kind of oh, i want to i want to write a song that sounds like these guys sort of thing but um like between us it's so vast that it, it kind of becomes a bit overwhelming and then trying to determine what of that kind of sphere has made it into Casey's music and what we've developed out of that because it kind of goes everywhere from like ASAP right the way through to and like um, it, it's sort of difficult to pinpoint oh actually yeah we want to sound at like these bands and then whatever we I mean it's easy for us to say oh yeah you know all of our influence comes from uh Touche Amore and Circuit Survive and then but in reality, it is like it is so much kind of less specific than that. But then there are kind of external like third party listeners or whatever. We're going to pick it up and be like, oh, these guys aren't like beings in ocean. And it's like it's quite convenient to write it off as that sort of being that simple. When in reality, it's kind of considerably more complex, um, not to sound like deep or anything. Like it's just <laughs> we, we listen to a fucking ton of shit. So try it like it's kind of difficult it's like, oh what influence have you got and like my most played song of 2018 is Drake like, Right. it's, <laughs>
0: it's
1: not um, One, I would necessarily uh, say that any of that makes it into Casey's music but like I can't say for certain that it doesn't because there are a lot of rappers who do influence me um, and just in terms of like vocal melody and like style and kind of lyric structure and obviously not topic per se like I, I would never write about finesse and down west and road or anything,
0: right? Like, <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there's, there, there's a... Go ahead.
1: Sorry, carry on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I was just gonna say it's what. Yeah, it, it makes sense what you're talking about because I mean, especially when you are first generating songs together with friends, you may have this idea in your head that you want to sound like, you know, this sort of thing. It's like, oh yeah, we want to sound like this band mixed with this band, and then by the time that, you know, you either have your demo or your first full length together. It's like, oh, yeah, it doesn't sound anything like it. It's still good, but it doesn't sound anything like what we intended to, uh, you know, when we started to hang out.
1: And like for us, I'd say that there there wasn't even that initial discussion. I mean, like the first, the very, very first songs that were written were just me and Liam. And um, it was literally just a case that we went to our friend's sort of bedroom studio and sat down with nothing written and then just said, you know, let's just write what sounds cool. And like the stuff we were coming out with sort of sounded a bit kind of stick to your guns I guess. Um, It was a lot more kind of generic melodic hardcore than I would say Casey is at present or like what it's developed into. But um, then when kind of the rest of the bands came on board, not the rest of the band, the rest of the band came on board uh, and we started discussing kind of what we wanted to do, we were always just very much of the opinion, actually, you know, let's just kind of write what feels cool and then try and mash it all together where we can sort of thing.
0: Yeah, sure. Makes makes total sense. Um,
1: um but oh Yeah, kind of,
0: as yeah, so I just say kind of stepping back and uh you know uh focusing on you. Um you know, we uh, the, the band, you know, reps, you know, South Wales and that uh that area. Were you were you born and raised there or where did you come up?
1: Um uh, yeah, so we're like we're all all of us are from South Wales. Um even um, Scott our original bassist he, were, he was South Wales as well but like between us we've always been a part of the scene in South Wales um, me and uh, Liam and I were in our like very first bands together because we, like, we grew up maybe half a mile from each other um, and then Adam and Max are from Cardiff and then Toby's from Newport um, but yeah we're, we're all from within like 45 minutes of each other and we've always kind of we've grown up in South Wales. Max lived in London for a bit. Um, Liam lived in, in a Welsh place called Aberystwyth for a while, um, just for university and stuff. But like realistically between us, we've always kind of been around the South Wales music scene and stuff. And we've, we've seen the rise and fall and rise again.
0: So you're, you're a smart person, right? You want to take your ideas and execute them out in the world, whether it's like, doing band stuff, whether it's, you know, emailing promoters, something in relation to your dream, you need the tools to accomplish it. And how do you do that? By getting a laptop that is designed to exceed your expectations. Please meet the Acer Swift five. They took an incredibly light computer and matched it with an incredibly powerful computer to give you reliability on the go, wherever you are. It's equipped with a high definition IPS touchscreen and the powerful 8th gen intel core i7 processor the acer swift 5 helps you reach your full potential and who doesn't want to reach their full potential i've seen this computer it's awesome it's the perfect tool for you no matter if you're working from home if you're working from the library if you're working at school you're trying to use this thing and push it to its limits in order to get your thing out in the world go to acer.com Click on store and enter the coupon code 100 words at checkout to receive 10% off plus free ground shipping on a Swift series laptop, including already discounted models. The offer is valid through April 30th, 2018, and is limited to one per qualified order. Windows. Hello. The password is you Windows 10. I love this computer. It's awesome. I've seen it. I've touched it. I've played with it. It's incredible. Please go achieve your dreams get this Acer laptop and you will be able to do that. Okay. Now on with the show. I'm always obsessed with certain areas of, of music and like for, uh, you know, many years, like I, I, worked at a record label, uh, century media records and like, you know, helped sign architects and like, w- was very close with like the moose blood guys and like watching all of these bands and then, you know, departures and you know, it, 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 it ran the gamut. And I was just always impressed with bands from that area because it it seemed, um, you know, by default, you guys were kind of, you know, people that formed bands were usually very close to one another. Like they were, you know, either had been friends for many, many years um, or once they had formed the band, they became, you know, really, really close. And I I mean, you know, I, I know that happens in different areas of the world, but it seems more so that the bands from that particular area and, you know, even London and the, you know, more larger, uh, cities, it, it seemed yeah. like that. Um, it, it, have you kind of noticed that or is that me just kind of like, I don't know, reading too much into s- two situations?
1: No, I mean, I, I definitely say there's an element of truth to it. Like before, I mean, I suppose it's kind of different for Casey because like me and Liam have been in bands like since we were 14. So, you know, by the time Casey started, we'd already been doing it like a decade. And like Toby had been in a previous band, they didn't do a great deal of like kind of live stuff, but he was um, he was always kind of more into the the theoretical side of stuff. And then like Max and Adam were always definitely in bands in like the Cardiff scene. So by the time it came to us getting together as Casey, we already had quite an accumulation of friends from like pretty much all over the world, really. 'Cause there was like um my band was signed to Victory Records. Um Liam's band was signed to uh there was a record label in Scotland called Small Town Records, but I I don't know whether you've heard of like the band Flood of Red and there were like some other like cool bands signed to that label for for want of a better word. Mm-hmm. Um and then there's like max max toby and adam like they were never signed to anyone else but they've always been around like other cool bands they've toured with like with cool bands so by the time we got started like for example like mike from being's notions a, a great example my old band played with his old band a ton so then by the time casey started mike was on board from pretty much the word go because he um he, he kind of heard that we were doing something else and obviously he knew me from from previous projects, so he was like happy to get on board because he, he knew that kind of it would be a serious thing; it wouldn't just be us kind of messing around or anything. But he um, then he got on board, and obviously that put us in good with the, with the guys in Beanz Notion. And then it was the case that like met up with through that. Then obviously we met the guys in Capsize, and it, it kind of just spreads really, really quickly. And kind of I suppose it feeds into the idiom: it, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And I, I wouldn't say that we we weren't a particularly green band. Um, you know we'd always we always kind of knew especially because me and Liam had quite a a good touring history so like from the word go we knew what we were up against we knew what we were in for and kind of where to sort of pitch our expectations really but um, with with kind of knowing people and get knowing people it it was very much a case of like I said we had some cool friends Liam knew a lot of guys in the UK not necessarily from like melodic hardcore anything but just sort of from music in general so as soon as we started it put us in good stead with like good tour managers and good drivers and good photographers and good merch designers and it it was definitely like a, a solid step up for us and even as we've been going on like most recently for example we got played on uh the radio on rock show the other day um for the, for the new single and one of the other exclusives on the rock show was the new palm reader single again i'm not sure whether you're familiar with them yeah but they um like immediately like those guys messaged me and i've been like a fan of them for years like i've got their, their records on on vinyl and stuff and it, it was just really nice that they were like comfortable just publicly reaching out for a to a band of a different demographic and being like yo these guys are sick and then for us to be able to just turn around and, and be like, yeah, actually, you know, we, we really enjoy like the music these guys make. And even though it like, we, we might not have a tour together, you know, we might, there's no mutual benefit out of that relationship. It's not like we are digging them up to be like, Oh look, you know, we're, we're cool. We're friends with this cool band, you know, li- listen to us because, you know, 80% of the people who listen to Palm Reader probably listen to us and be like, what the fuck's this? But it, you know, it's, it's nice that it does feel like there's a community around music. Um, and, yeah, yeah, that, that's sort of something that was. I, I mean, I didn't realize that that wasn't all like a case everywhere in the world. I guess. I mean, I would just naturally assume that, kind of, if you're from the same area as some other guys, or kind of you operate within a similar social circle, that it's always going to be that you'll uh, you'll kind of wrap each other.
0: But yeah, yeah, I, I yeah. To your point, yes, that it does happen. But I, I just see. Like I said, I, I see. I think you know, I don't know whether it's because the, obviously the
1: like. Was, you, you could fit the UK inside most states. Exactly. Totally. Just so because like, of
0: the, the, how small it is and the fact that it's an Island and like, there's all these things that kind of lead it to the yeah. fact that, you know, you, it, it's, it becomes yeah, it, it's really, pretty it's
1: impossible like, to kind of avoid like most bands to be like, to be honest. Right. Um, <laughs> totally. The, I mean, the, there are shows in Cardiff, like four nights a week and like you just end up meeting people. And I think learning to network through, through crew was a big thing for me as well because like i could speak to our tour manager for example and our tour manager also tour manages for Emua and for horror and for uh, a jazz post-rock band called gogo penguin and like just through connections like that they're like it it spreads so far so quickly that and like our producer like the guy that came in and produced the, the new record like obviously it was the first time we met him when he came over but we knew him from doing other bands work and then when he came over, he was just telling us all these crazy stories about these people he knew. And then before we know it, um, after the record was kind of finished and stuff, he sent us an email. And was like, "Oh, I was in the Epitaph office the other day, so I, I showed them your music." And that's a connection that we would never have, but it's just kind of through knowing people and being polite and pleasant that we, that, you know, we've been fortunate enough to kind of to make that connection. Um, yeah, but yeah, it, it's definitely something. I, I'm obviously it's not exclusive to it to like Britain or whatever, but and again within certain scenes that there's a lot of bands that sort of like swap members and stuff and kind of mix and match and just play a lot together there's um and for a while there was like a really huge rise of like chaotic post-hardcore just kind of emotive hardcore whatever you want to call it um but I would include bands like Departures and Landscapes and Bastions and Dead Swans and Up River and you know there was a there was a whole host of bands that came out for a, a while that was kind of like the rise and rise of that sort of music and then so it depended on how how the scene went I suppose for a little while then that a few of them unfortunately sort of disbanded or, or whatever but it's um, yeah there's there's definitely like a great community in in britain like even if you don't particularly get like there are bands that i wouldn't like drop a message to and be like hey how are you guys doing but like i'd go see them out of respect and like e- even if you you're not like friends with a band on a personal level like this there's, there's just a lot of sort of niceness in in the scene
0: yeah yeah <laughs> Which is really cool. no that, that's cool that's a good point and it, it, you know you, there's a lot of things that you mentioned there that i wanted to kind of pull on but one of them was being the fact that, uh, you know, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't entirely aware of the fact that you had things going on, um, prior to this, you know, as far as like, you know, you being signed to victory and, you know, national touring acts yeah. and stuff like that. Um, cause it did seem to me that Casey was very much a, um, it seemed very confident, you know, and like that definitely only comes usually with age or experience, you know? Um, and so yeah, like yeah. you, you know, so what, what was the previous band that you played in and like how, you know, did you tour the States and stuff like that? And like, what was your experience with all of that?
1: Um, no. So the, the previous band called continents.
0: Oh, okay. Um, yeah, sure. Sure.
1: They released, uh, two records to victory. They're still a band, like I'm still friends with them. It's just kind of, it got to the point where I was sort of just done with metalcore really. And I, was I just wanted, I wanted to change from it. Um, but, they, we. I mean, we toured Europe quite a bit, and I was also lucky enough to tour Japan with them as well. We never did the States, but um again, just made like a load of cool friends. That there are still people that I kind of met through that band that I, that I still talk to, and I'm still good friends with, and just kind of industry people as well that I've met through there that, I've you know, I've been fortunate enough to pull on since since being in Casey. But I think one of the big things for for me from that end was the like you said the confidence of it Uh, but I mean like I said me and Liam like been signed previously we toured Europe a lot and like the the other guys hadn't had that kind of opportunity to to that point but one of the big things for us was making sure that for me and Liam like to the other guys was setting the expectation of how we thought Casey was going to go or what we were hoping to see out of it and one thing we did always try and kind of maintain with them was the idea that we shouldn't really have any expectation of how it would go and that you know the the kind of creative fulfillment should be like if that was if we could maintain that that was our kind of primary goal it it would make our lives so much more enjoyable as part of the band um and yeah i kind of said to them as well like when we started i was like this is going to be my last band i've said that a few times to like to different people and i was like if we're going to do it i want to make a proper job of it so like with our music videos i was like i don't want to just do a cheap like practice room performance video if we you know if we're going to do them i want them to be interesting and worth watching and if you know if we're going to record i don't want to put out a bedroom demo and you know i want to kind of make sure that we're putting out quality rather than quantity um so like for the first like what 18 months we only put out three songs because we were kind of comfortable with you know they're they're worth releasing they're good and then off the momentum of those we like obviously we were just incredibly fortunate in seeing a good reaction to them pretty much straight away. And we got back from the tour with capsize 68 and we, um, we were kind of faced with the, the choice of whether to do an EP or whether to just kind of carry on down the route of record and, or like kind of singles and stuff. And we kind of sat down and I said to the guys, I was like, look, you know, we've all been in bands before Max's band, Adam's band will like be perfect testament to this where they, uh, they got to a stage in their career where they maybe had the momentum to do a record and didn't because they were kind of concerned about how it might be received or like maybe there were like financial implications that they, they couldn't kind of handle or whatever. And with Casey, that was never really an issue. Like we got to the point where we, we felt actually, no, yeah, we've got the kind of wind behind us to, to do a record. Let's do it. And we kind of just made it happen rather than being the band that just, as EP after EP, and then because obviously, there's the more EPs you release, the more likely it is that one of them's not going to be very good. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, you know, you kind of it's it's that easy to kind of just lose the momentum on it. Like if you could, we could have released, you know, we could have done the first two singles, then we could have released an EP, and it might have been a banger, and we could have been like, oh, cool, let's do another EP, and then people have been like, ah, oh, this isn't so hot, and then it's like it's so much more difficult to kind of regain momentum once you've lost it. Um. So yeah, it kind of got to a point where we felt comfortable in doing a record, and we were just like, yeah, actually, fuck it, let's you know, let's get it done, let's do it, right, right. And we, um, and obviously we did, and it kind of it went well for us because you know we we got the we got a deal with Hassle out of it, and then we we picked up a couple of other cool tours off the back of it, which was nice, and it was yeah, I mean, the confidence with it was just more that our primary goal was just making sure we were comfortable with what we were doing rather than being particularly concerned about what anyone else thought that we were doing. Um, cause there was a, like, there was just loads, like loads and loads of bands where our, like our friends are in where they'll be like uh, c- worried about like, Oh, we, we know we're going to release this single or, you know, actually do we release it? What, what are people going to think about it? You know? And, and I've always kind of said to the guys, I was like, there's literally absolutely no point in worrying yourself about what people think because you could put out the best song in the world and there's always going to be someone who's going to criticize it. There's always going to be someone on YouTube behind a keyboard who thinks it's funny to just be like, oh, you know, this is dog shit. It's,
0: yeah, it's inevitable. It's inevitable. It happens yeah, no matter it's such what. A,
1: it's such a waste of energy to like try and concern yourself too greatly with the kind of expectations or preferences of someone on the internet and it's it's just something that's like never driven us we have like and there's just kind of certain things that we've also we've kept to as well that we've always sort of maintained we've always said like there are certain things that we see other bands doing that sort of annoys us and i've always tried to make sure that the guys stay away from it things like um poor blues it it sounds stupid but like tall blues like facebook status and tweets they're just like they just do my head in for some reason mm-hmm. where like a band's been away for like six days on tour and they come back and they're like oh my god it sucks so much to like come back to my day job and it's just like man just deal with it like what like, what the fuck why are you complaining like you know you've had the opportunity to go away in the first place like why if if it was that good just you should just kind of get your head down and work harder towards making it happen again sure just, like, you know all, all five of us have got like full time jobs you know we all work we even now like and like Liam's got a kid like Toby has a girlfriend who lives like like a hundred or so miles away like we've all got like personal lives that we have to kind of contend with as part of the band and it's just like yeah there are just certain things that like the way that we like the standards to which we conduct ourselves are only our own we don't like never sort of set our standards by what anyone else is doing or kind of what other people think sort of thing it's just if we have an expectation it's just of ourselves and and that's just kind of how he's always done it and as difficult as it can make it sometimes because we are definitely like our own worst critics like a lot of the time we like we're super super hard on ourselves um when perhaps we shouldn't be but like at the same time it makes it so much more rewarding when we do produce something that we are completely happy with or like if we are noted on kind of conducting ourselves in a particular fashion It it kind of makes it so much more rewarding because we know that that's just our own doing. It's not kind of, we've seen something cool on the internet and then we've kind of copied it, sort of thing.
0: I literally squealed with glee when I looked into the upcoming ads that I had for this particular company. So delicious organic almond milk with cashew. I have drank and consumed this stuff. For most of my life, basically, once it came out in the market, I was like, let's check this out. Oh, my gosh, this is absolutely unbelievable. So what is so special about this particular almond milk? Granola is looking for someone to hang out with, right? And that is where So Delicious Organic Almond Milk with cashew comes into play. This particular almond milk has seven or fewer ingredients and comes in three absolutely incredible flavors vanilla original and unsweetened for those of you that are looking for the recommendation vanilla vanilla is the way to go and if that's not enough the bottle itself is made up of 80 percent plants which let's be honest it's rad when you're able to recycle this stuff it is the almond milk that granola has been dreaming of forever i love this stuff one sip is all it takes to realize that nothing else compares to this. So please visit so com slash words today to learn more. Please, that is so com slash words. If granola was like right next to you right now, they'd be like, yo, yo, visit visit that website, right? But I can't tell you how much I love this stuff. It's changed my life in the positive, and it should change yours as well. So delicious words. Slash words. I love them. You should love them. Make your life better. Boom. Sure. No, I, the, the sentiment I really like in that, uh, that, you know, train of thought is the fact that I think that most people, um, you know, that do, you know, they experience some level of success with whatever first project they, you know, do, whether it's touring, whether it's, you know, getting signed to a label and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's, it's really easy to then like, okay, let's learn from our mistakes and then, Um, you know, let's try to capitalize on what we've done previously and let's really kind of, you know, make a calculated approach to what we are doing with the band. And then like the, the key part that you said right there uh, is the expectations where it's like, okay, well now we know that, uh, you know, our first show, like there will, there will be people that will show up because of our previous projects. And, but then, but then the people that are, you know, might not have been involved with it they'll play their first show in front of 150 people and then expect every single one like that. (laughs) And you're just like, it's not not going to be like that. Like, hold on. We just need to be focused on, like you said, the enjoyment of doing this rather than, hey, this is going to be this thing and it's always going to be this way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, the first show we played, the very first show we played was like a, a club show in... Uh, in South Wales, uh, it was another band's EP release. So yeah, that was a cool show. And then the second show we ever played was with Capsized in 68. Like, we, we got offered a tour, like, straight away. Uh, like, we, we went away. The second show was the first show of a 23-show European tour. And so many of the shows on that tour were great. Like, they were so, so good. And then as soon as we came back, I kind of, like, said to the guys, I was like, look, you know, I wouldn't expect this forever. Like, this, that we got really lucky we got a great tour and then you know if we don't get offered anything else now like don't be disheartened by it it's just the case that we've got a like a good start and then when we i think like a a big like one that was like experienced for us um the when we made the switch because obviously our first three music first four music videos came out on the dreambound platform um, which is like a big it 's a big thing here in europe i don 't think it 's so big in america
0: no i i 've never even heard of it what it, tell me tell me what that it's is. like it 's a youtube channel um that oh. promotes
1: predominantly like melodic hardcore um, it. so it's it 's it, it basically like an instant fan base like if you write music in that demographic, there will be a proportion of the audience that enjoys it so our first three um videos came out on that platform and then after a while we kind of made the switch to our own because i mean it it was just the case that we felt oh you know we can't write off this forever you know it's cool that but like we didn't want to be the band that kind of hog it sort of thing because there were so many other great bands that have come up through it and sort of made their own way onto kind of bigger and better things so we were like oh you know it kind of we'd had our fill of it we were like we're gonna start releasing a record we're gonna move on and um, and, and start our own channel. And then all, all of a sudden, like if we released the music videos through Dreambound, we'd get like 40,000 views in a week. And then we went to releasing them on our own platform and we might get 10,000 views in a week. And the guys would be like, oh, what the fuck? Like no one likes our music anymore. And I was like, no, they do. It's just that there are no coincidental views anymore. Like no one's looking at this just because that channel has released something. Everyone who's listening to this is a fan of Casey. Casey. Uh, because they've kind of seen us advertise it, or they've looked for us on YouTube and they found it. So, and kind of reduce it, or reeling the expectation back to kind of rationalise it was was something that we had to explain, like to the guys. But there's um, I completely, I'm, I'm so bad at just going off tangent and kind of coming up with elaborate. <laughs> Dude,
0: <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Completely like. <laughs> Yeah. But no, I, 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 I understand your sentiment. I appreciate you laying out that, that idea of like how, I mean, realistically managing expectations, that's like one of the biggest things that anybody can do from a professional, a personal, a, you know, whatever endeavor they're going on. And it's like the moment that that starts to get out of whack, that's when things that, you know, that's when you get drama. That's when you get people's, yeah feelings hurt and everything else that goes along with it
1: yeah like last january was like really funny because by the like the middle of january we had like nothing at all booked like for the year we didn't have any tours we didn't have any festivals we had nothing i was like coming off the back of a record we were all super like what the fuck like you know maybe everyone like maybe like the kind of the momentum's gone like maybe we shouldn't have released a record and stuff And then by the middle of February, we had like the Heaven and Hell tour, all the Impericon festivals, Red in Leeds, Download. Um, We were being put forward for what ultimately became the Kerrang tour and the the Affliction shows. And like by the end, like by the middle of March, we had all of that booked, and most of it was being announced, and everything was absolutely fine. Um, And it's just a kind of, and I again, the idea of us being our own worst enemy, where we feel, oh, you know, we should be doing more, we should be out playing more shows, we should be kind of more proactive and it's just a lot of the time learning to sit back and just be like, actually, you know, everything's fine. We're not like a, I mean, we're not a full-time band at the minute. You know, we, we are kind of just kind of still making our way with it. We are a young band as well, considering like so many of our friends' bands are like, they've been going for seven or eight years and they're now just like touring or like starting to tour internationally. and, And we're already kind of receiving offers to kind of go overseas and stuff. And it's, it's kind of like setting or like putting a bit of perspective on kind of where we are and where we should be, um, realistically. And yeah, like managing the expectation around kind of the band is, is something we do like struggle with occasionally, but it, it's only ever because we expect the most out of ourselves by comparison to like to anyone else's standard. Our our standards are always going to be higher than anyone else's.
0: Yeah. Oh no, it makes total sense. Um, and so when uh you know when you started to first you know tour and it, it sounds like you know you played a you know a part of the sort of business decisions that you know most of your bands have have kind of you know played in um you yeah. know did you immediately kind of take to that role and did you enjoy touring as you started to do it or were those things that were just kind of a a necessary thing you needed to do
1: Um so I'm like I'm super anal about that kind of stuff and I I tend to do a suit. I tend to assume the management role in whatever I'm doing, just because I'm very much of the opinion that if you want something done right, you should do it yourself. And also because I was probably the member of, especially of Casey, that had the most kind of experience with the industry and kind of knew the most people out of what I'd done previously. Um, so it just felt the most like natural for me to assume that position and, and kind of just take over. And it's something I still do. I'm still like the kind of the main administrative member. I still write most of our Facebook posts and like kind of decide on what merch designers we use and stuff like that, because it sort of frees up a lot of responsibility from the rest of the guys. I mean, there are some things that get delegated that we kind of work out between ourselves and say, "Oh, actually you know, can you have like Toby handles a lot of our um, endorsement kind of stuff. So if he needs something for his guitar, he wouldn't email me and then ask me to kind of get in touch with someone. You just do it himself. Like, um, he uses victory amplifiers. He uses any ball guitars and and all that kind of stuff. He arranged for himself. He arranged our string endorsements for the rest of the guys. And, um, we have had some help from, uh, there's a company in the UK called Fairbanks endorsements and it's run by a woman called Ashlyn Fairbanks. Um, so she, she's kind of helped us out a bit, uh, with kind of people if they were beyond our remit, if we didn't have a kind of an existing relationship with them. Um, but for for the most part it's me um and yeah it's I don't suppose it's never really taken the enjoyment out of touring for me like I still do all of our merch like we've never had a merch guy I always sell everything myself and it's partly down to the business side of it like making sure that things are done correctly and that kind of I know how much stock we've got and where it is and that that it's kind of set up and packed, packed down correctly every night and that like all the money's correct Um, It just kind of puts my own mind at ease. And then obviously it kind of provides me with a social opportunity as well where uh, like, and it's something that fans kind of comment on that. Like I'll be at our merch desk from the start of the night to the end of the night. And they'll come up and be like, Oh, you know, I thought you'd have a merch guy. I thought you'd be hanging out backstage. And it's just like, well, if I go backstage, all I'm going to do is sit on a sofa and whinge about how fucking warm it is. I might as well sit out here and meet some people and watch some bands and kind of just hang out.
0: Totally. totally. Um, Yeah. That's cool. I like
1: it's like there's a duality to it like it it is kind of partially a a business mindset from myself where i do like to be um, on on top of things it's not not necessarily in control of things because we do have a tour manager who takes a lot of the responsibility away from me and make sure that like there are certain administrative things that are done that that i don't take care of he does all of our logistical planning he makes sure that we've got a van when we need it and that all of our crossings are booked and like our paperwork's in order for when we get the borders and stuff so that, like, there are elements that I don't handle that I, am not as confident with. But obviously, being the, the lyricist, I'm the main user of English in the band, and like I've, I get enjoyment out of kind of writing professional emails as nerdy as that is. Um, so like, I, I handle all of our email correspondence because I I like knowing that I've written something that will encompass our entire opinion on a matter and kind of if I need information from someone that I am asking everything that I possibly can in, in a single email rather than going back for a bunch of times trying to kind of get the same piece of information as someone um, and then there's also like I, I do find ways to sort of encompass the, a social element in, into a lot of, like We have a um, it's a Facebook group for fans of Casey. It wasn't set up by us. It was kind of there's a, a few guys from England who are really into the band and, and kind of wanted a a social space where they could kind of interact with other fans of the band. And that's been amazing that like myself, Toby and Liam are all members of the group and we regularly like kind of talk to people and discuss the band with them. That's
0: cool. And, yeah. You, you feel the, yeah, you feel the connectivity and it's not just this like cold calculating yeah, exactly, like, business move. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there's like, there's a lot of people in there that like don't expect the band to be in there, which I mean, it, it's kind of, cool at the same time is like i mean i i understand that it's not for every band i know band members that like actively don't enjoy sort of um socializing with fans to that extent like they do like to have the segregation between personal life and kind of work life as it were and um but we've never really been like that in, in the sense that we do always like all of us hang out at shows, like whatever we can, all of us kind of speak to as many people as we can. And we, we like kind of interacting with people as, as often as kind of frequently as we can. Um, it, it has led to a few kind of weird situations. I'll be honest, but like,
0: yeah, well, it does. You, book, you gotta, you gotta try it, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like for example, like, I used to deal with all of our Mitch online as well. Like I used to have, I to run our big cartel. I mean, I obviously I still technically do is we don't sell that much of the big cartel anymore because we have people like Impericon in place and now like Merch now and stuff that, that handle e-commerce for us. But, um, when, when posting stuff out, I, I always used to have to supply a return mail address. and um, because we were now at the point we weren't a registered business as we are now. Um, I used to just provide my home address because I had no other kind of correspondence address to provide. And we, um, yeah, I've had like a few odd parcels sent to my house and stuff. Like someone, uh, sent me a pair of underwear once, which was kind of strange.
0: Yeah. That's like, uh, oh, (laughs) that's not something you expect.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It was like, damn it. Um, yeah, it was like, it was sent to me like anonymously and I've had like food sent to the house and stuff and like just odd I mean, I've had some really nice stuff as well, to be fair. Like, I've had, like, necklaces and kind of other fan art and other bits and pieces, which is cool. But yeah, I've had some, like, really odd stuff sent to the house, which which can kind of get a bit weird. Um, but for the most part, we, we enjoy, like, hang, hanging out with people and kind of sharing our experience. We've always said that Casey isn't just the five of us. It's kind of everyone who's ever invested time into the band and what we do. And as much as we're all very much of the opinion that we don't create music for other people, that we do only have this kind of expectation of ourselves and and kind of how we how we kind of produce and kind of contribute to what we are we've always acknowledged the fact that without the input of the crew that we surround ourselves with and the kind of the fans that we socialize with and allow to kind of invest themselves into the band we wouldn't be like kind of what and who we are um but going back miles to your original point um I, I do assume a business role in the band. Yeah.
0: What? You want to learn how to record? How about you go to the best online university I could possibly recommend, URM Academy. Now, what are they? They are, like I mentioned, an online recording school created by Joey Sturgis, I.L. Levi, and Joel Wozniak, basically three heavy hitters in the production world. And they've worked with pretty much every heavy band you can possibly imagine from Machine Head, Devil Wars Prada, Of Mice and Men, Asking Alexandria. The list goes on and on. They've worked with everybody. And here's how it works. At the beginning of every month, you get the real multi-track session from a top artist and the mixer's notes so you can drop it into your portal and learn by mixing it yourself from scratch. It's awesome. That, just think about that. You get the actual session that that artist did. And then you can play around with it and learn a lot and figure it out on your own. And then at the end of that month, you'll watch a live streaming mix session where the mixer will mix the song from the start to finish and explain how they did it on the album and answer your questions live in the air. I've watched a few of these in session and it's unbelievable. People are super engaged. They're learning a lot from one another. They're like, I've literally heard people say, oh, it's awesome. And so past guests include Andrew Wade from Data Remember, Bo Burchell from Sayosin, Nolly from Periphery, Daniel Bergstrand and Meshuga, So much rad stuff. I can't encourage you enough to go to URMacademy.com if you even have the slightest interest in either recording your band or making a living off of recording, production, mixing, all that stuff. It's so exciting. I love that they are partnering with this show. URM Academy is... Get your head wrapped around it and dive in there and tell them that this particular show sent them, them, you, okay? URMacademy.com. Do it up. A lot of the, you know, experiences that you sing about in, uh, you know, Casey are obviously really personal. And that's kind of, you know, due to the, uh, you know, nature of the music that is created. Then also the fact that, you know, you are like we were talking about before, you know, more confident in expressing yourself, um, you know, but I mean, you've had some pretty, you know, terrible luck as far as health is concerned. <laughs> I mean, from what, uh, from what <laughs> I could, what I can understand. Um, it's, it, it's weird because, um, you know, it, it's one of those things where it's like you, there's an element of like, yes, you want to share about yourself and your experiences and definitely not go into two different categories of like the, you know, what was me category or yeah. the category where you are uh, attempting to compare tragedies, you know, where it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. you had this, but you had this. like. So I, I'm sure that's something that you've had to kind of like wrestle with in your own head.
1: Um, yeah, to an extent. I mean, one of the things I kind of said when... Again, when starting Casey is that I, so when Liam and I were in our first band together, I was a vocalist then, um because when I was in Continental, I was a I was a guitarist, and i I had no contribution towards the kind of the lyrical side of things um, but when when Casey started, the, the difference then was between that and my first band was that when I was in my first band, I had nothing to say of any real value. Um, we were the kind of band that described ourselves as being party core and just wrote about the same generic, like, pop punk shit that every other kind of first band sings about, you know, just, oh, I hate I hate where I live, and, like, oh, I, I just want to move away with my friends, and all that kind of crap. Um, and then by the time Casey, like, came around, I'd, I'd had a, a wealth more life experience to draw from, and kind of, like you said, I mean, it, it wasn't particularly a, a tragedy per se, but, like, I... It wasn't intentionally kind of tragic per se, but like I definitely had, um, I'd had a, a fair share of life experiences that I felt were worthy of being documented. And I, I it wasn't something I was so conscious with the first singles. Cause I suppose they were only very brief snapshots of kind of what I'd experienced. And I, I didn't have to go into too much depth with them. But by the time I, it came to writing the record and I had to write a larger body of work, um, the only way for me to really make the most of that experience was to make sure that I was as open and, and as honest as I could be, and kind of make sure that what I was writing wasn't falsified in any way. Some, I would, I will admit that some of it is slightly romanticized, and kind of just the language I use maybe sensationalizes some of it a little. But the core belief and the core kind of experiences of all of it is completely true. Uh, and I said that I've again always kind of been of the belief that. Unless I am incredibly personally invested in my art, then it has no real purpose. Uh, and I suppose that would be the difference for me between pop music and alternative music. For for the most part, because obviously there are some very well written pop songs and kind of very personal, personally written kind of pop artists and things. But for the most part, obviously it's fairly vapid. There's a a meme that goes around Twitter every now and again. That, uh, um, is that any two white people could approach me on the street and tell me that they're the chain smokers and I believe them, and that is like a hundred percent true. I have no idea what these people look like. And any <laughs> right. like like any like any white person could write a singing Ed Sheeran song and it could be about them. Like it's the, the point that there's no real identity to the music. There's no personality in it. It is just music for music's sake. Which I mean, there is a. I would admit there's a time and a place for. I'm a huge fan of artists like Carly Rae Jepsen. Um, I think she does an incredible job of writing very positive, but not cliche or cheesy pop music. Um, but for the most part, it's, that is the reason that I sort of shied away from that sort of genre at an early age was that it felt that there was no yeah, like identity to it. And I've always felt that that's what I needed. That's my sort of expectation of myself out of my music even if I'm not hundred percent satisfied with the way that it's delivered. If I feel that my vocal ability doesn't match up to where I would like it to be, at least if my art is honest and kind of integral to me, then that's enough to kind of, to satisfy, to satisfy me.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the, uh, you, you as you were, um, you know, experiencing a lot of the, you know, the health issues that, that, you, you know, we were kind of talking about as far as like, you know, because, I mean, you, I'm going to guess you're probably in your late 20s, right? Just to stab in the dark? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I mean, you, you know, you've experienced some weird stuff, like, you know, having a heart attack and, and like, the... Uh, it, am I correct? Is that, like, brittle bone syndrome? Is that what you have? Yeah,
1: like, yeah. Uh, osteogenesis imperfecta, but, yeah, it's, um, it's brittle bone syndrome. So. Right.
0: So, that means, like, basically, but, you you're, your bones are more delicate, like, you have more... Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, it's like, you... you <laughs> have you had to, like... Uh, be like okay like i'm not going to you know play sports or skateboard like i need to watch this or is that something that you just kind of like live with knowing that in the back of your head um
1: yeah i mean kind of like growing up because i've i've broken over like a 100 bones like but the the majority of it happened like when i was younger and it was generally a result of like clumsiness more than anything like i just like I said I'd go out and I'd try and play football with all my friends because I didn't know any better and I'd come home with like a broken hand or like a broken wrist or like a broken ankle or something right
0: um
1: and there have been like a few freak accidents where I suppose it could have happened to anybody but it was just because it was me that it it, it kind of got worse um oh my god sorry I'm like (laughs) if you can kind of hear me like furiously button bashing in the background it's because I'm also kind of playing playstation and i just got a ridiculous grenade kill um but uh they, um but yeah like it, it was kind of a learning curve growing up like it, it got to the point maybe like late primary school early high school where i was just like actually yeah you know i, I shouldn't be playing sports and like yeah I, I shouldn't really go anywhere near anything with wheels that isn't a car and just sort of just learn to again i suppose like an expectation thing but like yeah, you know, I know my friends are going to go out and have a great time doing whatever they want, but I might have to be a bit more reserved. Um, And in recent years, it it has been more of the sort of like freak accident thing. Like um, a friend jumped on my face, like not realizing I was asleep and broke my eye socket in five places. (laughs) And it's just like, it's, it's the kind of thing that like, I mean, I suppose it wouldn't happen to anyone. You've got to have particularly fucking stupid friends for that to happen. right? But like, but, like, if it was anyone else under the weight of it, it probably would have hurt them. It might have hurt me a little bit more sort of thing. But, like, yeah, it's it's the case that I've sort of just learned to live with it and sort of set my own expectation of my capabilities and what I should and shouldn't be doing. Um, but it's been sort of the same for all my illnesses. I mean, touring, I also have ulcerative colitis, which is an inflammatory bowel disease. And touring with that can be a bit of a nightmare. Like, if I'm having a flare-up, if I am particularly ill, then it means like having to stop at every service station that we see, whether that's every kind of 20 minutes or every hour, like, you know, just having to look after myself and make sure that I'm, I'm comfortable, that I'm okay. And like the, um, the f- heaven and hell tour we did last year, I came out of hospital, like, Oh, two weeks before, like, 10 days before we went on tour. And all the doctors were like, you shouldn't be doing this. like, you should stay at home and you should make sure that you're completely well before you go. And I was like, no, I'll be fine. Um, and I went and I was really, really sick and that's, but that's, I kind of knew the risks. I knew what I was in for. I knew obviously the touring, what the touring environment would be like. And I kind of just chose to do it anyway because you know, you only live once. Um, right. But like, yeah, it was a, a kind of something that I had to learn to do and like, and learn my boundaries and bits and pieces and, it's just something I have learned to live with over the course of of my life. The various illnesses I have, what kind of limitations that puts on me, what expectations I should set of myself because of them, and so on and so forth. And um, I think I went through a, like a, quite a, a patch of being a lot harsher on myself than I am now. Um, kind of getting myself down, feeling like, oh, you know, I should be able to kind of go out and do these things, and then realizing actually, you know, you're just being an idiot if you kind of take it easy. You're not really that unfortunately not being like incredibly limited because there are people with brittle bones who like can't turn their head too quickly because they'll break their neck right and like there, there are people with with colitis who are like and crohn's disease who are just like constantly bedridden and like can't leave the house and stuff for fear of um for illnesses and kind of contracting uh, kind of bacteria infections and stuff um so i mean for the most part providing i kind of stick to my medications and look after myself i, I try and drink a lot of water on tour and sort of take my multivitamins and other kind of sensible bits and pieces that I'm generally not too afflicted by it to be fair but it is something that's obviously caused a lot of sort of odd things to happen to me in my life like you said I have had a a stroke and a brain aneurysm and a heart attack and you know stuff that most 27 year olds haven't kind of encountered and it's well sort of now made its way into my music because the transition between love is not enough moving into the new record i I very much felt i want to write about the same subjects again i didn't just want to rehash the things that i previously already discussed kind of rooting back towards the the honesty and kind of the artistic integrity of it i didn't want to feel like I, i well i just kind of felt that i was done with it i kind of had my two cents on it and my opi- opinions and i hadn't felt that i developed any sort of new feelings or experiences on those topics to that point so i, right. I saw no real sense in. know i would have got no fulfillment out of discussing the same topics again um and it was after a kind of a conversation with daniel from counterparts not counterparts sorry capsized that. I, I was. It was actually while we were recording. I never write lyrics until we're at the studio, anyway. Um, uh, and I I went to see them. I think it was like the third day we were in the studio recording the new record. They played in in Cardiff. we straight from the path. And I went down to hang out with him and and see them. Now that they'd had a little bit of a lineup change, and he was asking about the new record and how we were doing. And I was saying, you know, I'm kind of struggling to think of what to write about because. I said, obviously, uh, until that point Casey had been quite closely associated with emotional topics and sort of relationships and love and, and so on and so forth. And it was, I was saying, you know, I, I kind of had done really a way to go with it. Cause I don't really want to write about those again. And he was like, man, this was j- not long after the Punkos pop. Um, the new one came out and he's like, we've just done a Drake cover. And he's like, and if Drake didn't do it first, you'd have no idea. He was like, you know, it, it really doesn't matter what you write about, providing you're comfortable with the way you say it and the way you express it, you can write about pretty much anything. And that was something, although, I mean, it seems like quite a common sense thing, but it was something that did really resonate with me. And that I then kind of went on, and he was just like, Man, like, because he was aware of like my poor health and stuff. And he was just like, Well, why don't you like write about that? Like, you know, and I was like, Well, you know, I don't. I don't know whether people would be kind of that interested in hearing about that sort of thing. And he was like, well, why not? He was like, and he kind of picked up on the fact he's like, well, when was the last time you really wrote music to cater for somebody else's sort of expectations? And I was like, yeah, that's a fair point, I guess. Um, And yeah, so I ended up going back to the studio and just sort of retrospectively kind of going through the last sort of 10, 15 years of my life when I have had all these kind of, all this crazy shit happened to me and got to the point where we were like oh you know i'm just going to write about me and like my health and sort of how i've been in the last 10 years because i have a one thing i've learned to do is during an experience i don't i mean well two things one that during an experience i don't like write about it as it's happening um i only ever write about things retrospectively because i've often find that my opinions on things will change quite dramatically Um, and I've had instances before where I've written songs as things are happening and then a few weeks later I'll read back over it and be like actually this isn't this isn't kind of representative of how I feel about this topic in the slightest I'm really not like happy with this I'd much rather wait a year and then have a kind of concrete mindset on something Um, but yeah and also due to my colitis one thing that it reacts really badly to stress and so as things are happening to me in life i've kind of just learned to detach myself from them and, and be quite nonchalant about fairly serious topics so I, I like when i had a heart attack and when i had a stroke and and i was the, all these like ridiculous things happening i was very much of just opinion, like oh you know it's it's happened now it's whatever i've kind of i've survived i'm, I'm all right whatever and then when you, like you said, like when you explain that to someone and you're like, I'm 27 and I've had all this crazy shit happen to me and they're like, what the fuck? Like that's, that's ridiculous. And it, it wasn't until I kind of, I think I was speaking to Brad about it actually, like the producer and he was just like, he couldn't believe that like all this stuff had happened to me and he's like, are you being serious? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, well, you know, why didn't you write about that? And I was like, I didn't, I didn't really think that people would be that interested in hearing about it. And then yeah, King kind of back to that conclusion that, well, it doesn't really matter what other people think about it because I'm I'm only ever writing music for myself anyway, so I might as well just write about things that I'm comfortable with discussing and and talking about.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, because uh, otherwise you you tend to step into a role of like you mimicking what uh, obviously other people have done or what you think that you should be expressing based on a certain stage of your yeah. life or whatever, and then yeah, you just yeah. you you step into you step into a role as opposed to, you know, something that is more resembling yourself.
1: Yeah. There was, um, quite a good, uh, Julian Baker interview. I might've been part of her audio tree session actually, uh, where she was talking about the distinction and the, the, like the compartmentalization between art and artist. where some people will assume a role on stage and they'd be like, Oh no, this is just like who I am as an artist. And then I'm a completely different person in my real life. And it's something I've always kind of struggled with, doing the only kind of experience I have of kind of doing that is whereby people tend to tell me that I'm a lot lot more positive in my everyday life than they expect me to be based on kind of their expectations from the lyrics and the kind of the content that I, I discuss. And it is something that she says in the interview where she's like, well, I, I don't feel like there should really be any distinction between the art and the artist because they should be kind of, so intertwined that they shouldn't be sort of separated and that's something that I I would agree with in that my well, my art is who I am and I am my art as Tumblr as that sounds and um, it, it makes it a lot more personal I feel if you're not like you said assuming a role if I'm I, I'm going to write about things that I'm comfortable with discussing and expressing them in ways that I am satisfied with expressing and I, I feel that that goes a long way towards kind of ensuring that whatever you're producing is as good as it can be.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I totally agree. Well, dude, thanks for hanging out, man. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you sharing all that stuff and, um, yeah, putting the context for, uh, for where it is that you're coming from. I appreciate it. man. No problem at all, man. Yes. That was Tom Casey. Thank you very much, Tom, for hanging out and uh, talking to me. I appreciated it and also appreciate james goodson publicist as well i don't know why i like to say his full name but just rolls right off my tongue but thank you james for hooking me up with the record and uh, getting him on the show and why do i thank people like that because i think it is a lost art <laughs> thinking people should be at the top of everyone's mind and a lot of times it's not so that's why i do that because i've gotten questions before it's like why do you think publicists it's like well because they do work as well so anyways gotta give a shout out to so delicious again like i said this almond milk has changed my life. It'll change your granola's life. It'll change your cereal's life. It'll change your bowls and your glasses' life. Trust me, this stuff is absolutely unbelievable. Visit so slash words to learn more. And nothing else compares. Trust me, this is the real deal. And what do I got for next week? I have a hardcore hero and legend and a personal favorite of mine. We actually spent probably about two months scheduling this interview, but we finally nailed it. Dave Smalley, he is the vocalist from his most recent bl- band is Don't Sleep, but, uh, you know, also played for some little bands like Dak Nasty, Down By Law, DYS, all. He's done the damn thing. And we had such a pleasant conversation. I loved it because uh, I could tell that he was happy that I wasn't just going to ask about if he straight edged or some, you know, just like the questions that he's gotten a million times before. So that is next week. And that's episode two hundred ninety nine. I'm I can't even believe we're, we're closing in on three hundred episodes, which I've got a great episode for on that that particular one when it comes out. So that's what we got. And until next week, like I always encourage you, please be safe. Everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw podcast network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.